So in today's edition of Weird Things Stacy Finds on the Internet, I want to draw to your attention the website. It is um, www.needamommynyc.com. This is legit. I first found out about it by reading an article, but then I clicked the link to see if it was still up and going. It is. And it is a, a, a post, not a post, a website, a a business hosted by a woman named Nina Kennelly, who at the time of the article a couple of years was 63. She's probably 67 now. But again, based on the website, she's still very up and active. For $40 an hour, if you live in New York City, you can rent her as a mom. So here's some of her fee structure. Like I said, $40 an hour if you want to visit with her. If she has to travel to one of the other boroughs, there's an additional $10 travel charge. If that feels a little steep to you, she's willing to engage in a texting session for half an hour for a mere 20. Or for real bang for your buck, you can get a four-hour, uh, four-session package for $140. These are some of the things that her website says. Everybody needs a mom now and then, but maybe not his or her own mom. How about a short-term temporary mom? A mom who won't question your lifestyle choices, be judgmental about your hair, your wardrobe, your friends, your vegan diet, compare you to your sister Maggie or your cousin Jake, expect presents ever or even an e-card, keep you on the phone for 45 minutes talking about the neighbor's cat or your uncle's gout, or ask you to be in a selfie with her, right? all of the benefits, none of the drawbacks of having a real mom. That's how she brands it. And I don't mean this to be, I'm sure she's a lovely woman who's providing a good service. She'll even iron your shirts for you or give you dating advice, right? But there's, at the same time, something just not quite right about having to pay for someone to love you. Uh, she lives in New York City, a land of displaced young people, right? Everybody who has a dream moves to NYC. And she noticed at the yoga um, studio she was attending, a lot of the young people kept coming and asking her for free advice. So she decided to monetize it. And at first she thought it was because they were, as I mentioned, geographically distant from their families. The more she got to know these young people, for many of them, it wasn't just that they were geographically distant. It was that they were emotionally distant. They didn't necessarily have a great relationship with their mom. They needed someone to love them, and the only way they knew to do it was to pay for it. Because that's the only motherly love they felt like they could have. This starts out a little more, uh, I guess, uh, gloom and doom than I mean for it to. But I, but I guess I just want to remind us or, or talk about relationships that are real. Relationships that are mutual. <laughs> Which means that when she gives you advice for how to do the laundry, maybe you should spend at least just a few minutes learning about Uncle Nelson's gout, right? What it's like to be in real community that has both give and take. Because while the website sort of 
bills it as all of the benefits, none of the drawbacks. Just how real can those benefits be? Where's, where's the unconditional love when you really have like just burned out and, you, and you're making your one phone call from the police station or uh, who knows what it is? Is all of the benefits and none of the risk really what love and relationship are about? So, as I mentioned, and as you've heard multiple times today, it's Mother's Day. But it isn't just mothers and children that we're going to talk about. I want us to talk about, again, relationships in general. Maybe even thinking along the lines of what it means to be church family and community for one another. And so the scripture passage or um, selection we're looking at today is the story of Ruth and Naomi, two women who have a mother-daughter relationship, sort of, but at the same time, they actually don't. Nobody's contractually obligated here. Naomi and Ruth choose to be mother and daughter for each other, which is good news if you show up here today not a mom and you'd really like to be, or not a daughter in the way that you wish you were. Ruth and Naomi model what it looks like to be each other's toothpick, if you will. No strings attached, no contract necessary, but because that is life and that is love. So, Ruth and Naomi. The book is named after Ruth, but in the first chapter, we mostly hear about the stories of a woman named Naomi. We learn that she is the wife of a man named Elimelech, and together they have two sons. They come from Bethlehem. You've heard of that place, maybe, right? Kind of a, a big city. It becomes more important later as the biblical story continues, but it is very much Jewish territory, Bethlehem, as you would imagine. Uh, there is, however, a, a famine. There's economic distress. And so they, they end up having to immigrate to a, a different country. They move to Moab, which, if you're an Israelite, is, is like slumming it to the extreme. So things must have been desperate. So they pick up their family and they immigrate. They're able to make a life there somehow or another. So much so that their, their sons marry, they add daughters-in-law. You have to assume that they thought, they hoped, they expected there would be grandchildren on the way. And so even though this wasn't their home country, they were going to make a life there. It was their home now, and yet life changed again. We don't know any of the details what happened, when it happened, although we get a little bit of the timeline. First, the dad dies, then one son, and then the next. Uh, Naomi means sweetness. You can imagine why she wants to change it from sweetness to bitter. I mean, she's had to flee, or not flee exactly, but leave her home country because they don't have enough food to eat. They finally get somewhere good, and then her husband's and her son's died. The thing is here is that it's real life, right? No fairy tale imagination here. Naomi is living real life. Uh, there's a quote from Frednick, 
Frederick Beekner. He writes in the book, um, I think it's Alphabet a Bit of Grace, and I've quoted this before. He's, he's saying that this is how the Lord would say to us, more or less. Here is life. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Here is life. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. And so this sort of idyllic, idealized relationship that we have of Ruth and Naomi starts in kind of the depth of the depths. It's real life. Beautiful and terrible things have happened. And therefore, because life has been real, their relationship has to be too. Their relationship involves loss. Their relationship involves choosing the good of the other, even when sometimes it may not be the good for your own. Because here's what happens with Naomi and her daughters-in-law, too. You get the sense that there's very much a warm relationship. They've been together for 10 years. Naomi makes the point that they have dealt kindly with them. The women don't originally even want to leave. They've begun the journey. So there's this warm relationship. And then somewhere down along the way, on the road, Naomi, and I'm not saying this hadn't occurred to her before, but it really gets a hold of her as they're journeying what in this relationship isn't just good for me, but what's good for these women? And so she tells them to go back home to their own mothers, not because she wants to get rid of them, but because of love. She wants what's best for them, even if it feels difficult and hard for her. And one of them agrees, and this is not wrong. We don't know anything about Orpah. What we do know is that she's not condemned for going home. At least in that relationship of mutuality, Naomi says, go back to your people, and Orpah says, okay. But then for Ruth... Ruth does the same thing Naomi does, and Ruth looks at the circumstances not from what's best for her, but what's best for Naomi. They almost have a tussle of love, right? Like, do what's good for you. No, I want to do what's good for you. So Orpah makes one choice to leave, and that isn't wrong. Ruth makes the choice to stay. And the implication is that that is better. Or at least in this storyline, the right thing for Ruth is to hang on. This is by no means a logical decision. Uh, Ruth is coming from Moab, despised territory, and headed to a place where people don't like her kind, right? Naomi's at least going home. Ruth is headed to 
a place she's never been to, a place where she does not have family, does not have connections, probably has very little prospects. And yet, because life is real and relationships are real, at least for her, the right thing to do is to stick it out, to hang in there. You know, I never know how well children's messages go. There's a reason why other people are in charge of things and not myself. But this toothpick metaphor really does get to me because here's what I like about Ruth. We have a tendency to think about the people who are there for us, right? So think, think, as we celebrate Mother's Day, we maybe think about the people who have cared for us, who have been our toothpick. But we don't always stop to look around and say, who needs me to be a toothpick for them? Which is what Ruth does. It isn't logical, but it's loyal. And it's love. Uh, Real life and real relationships often turn out messy. I read this delightful story about a young man named Robert Williams. This was covered by the BBC, so I can only assume that this was in England. He was eight years old when his dad died. He was one of nine children. His mother hung in there and hung with him, but she was, you know, the mother of nine siblings. Her health was failing. And so his bus driver stepped in, sort of, and became this surrogate mother type. When he'd get on the bus every day, she'd ask if he'd eaten or if he'd done his homework or how he was feeling. He loved her so much that he decided he wanted to be a bus driver in order to help his family. So at the age of 13, he took his best church clothes and with a few sewing skills he learned from his actual mom, sort of doctored them up to look like a bus driver's uniform. And then he waltzed into the bus uh, depot, grabbed himself a bus, telling himself, I have to do this for my family. And so he pulls off at the property, panics, and like takes off down the road, this 13-year-old trying to drive a bus for his family, all because he's trying to honor Miss Louise, and she's thinking to herself, this is not what I had in mind. He ends up, of course, getting apprehended, if you will. Here's what I love, though. The bus company has mercy on him, and, and they say, uh, let's see, he said, if you keep your nose clean, you can come back for a job when you're 25. And so on his 25th birthday, guess who William gave a call? He's now been supervising for 15 years. Why? Because of Miss Louise. I think I focus on this because Hallmark cards don't mention the mess, do they? I mean, sometimes. Occasionally, you'll get a card that talks about the good, the bad, the ugly, the real life and real relationships. That happens to be some of our language, right? With a bridge building, real relationship with God and one another. Relationship, though, takes risk. Relationship is beautiful and terrible. Don't be afraid, you might say. And so this is the journey that Ruth and Naomi engage upon. There are good times, there are hard times, but in the end, they make it because they sticked together. 
Today, as we reflect on Mother's Day, take a moment just to consider who are the people who have chosen to stick with you? Maybe it has been your real mama, or maybe it is not. Who's the person who has hung in there with you, even when you made it hard? But here's part two, and for me, I think this is maybe more important, or maybe it's the bigger challenge, is who needs us to be a toothpick for them? Who in your world needs you to hang in there, to stick with them, to see it through? It's going to be beautiful, and it's going to be terrible, but don't be afraid. Because after all, this is what God does for you, right? God is our ever-present help in times of trouble, and we don't even have to pay $40 an hour. The last thing that I just, I guess, sort of want to end with or encourage us, in two weeks, on May the 22nd, we are planning on having a celebration Sunday. Originally, the idea was to celebrate what God has done in terms of debt retirement. We are increasingly sort of like ticking that away. But as your staff was talking about how we can celebrate what God has done, we became very mindful of the fact that we haven't celebrated the fact that you and I are still here, right? It's been a rough couple of years. Are you with me? And things have happened and God has continued to provide, and I will not say that it has been easy. That'd be the Hallmark card version, which incidentally doesn't happen to be real. But the real, the messy is the stuff that's worth having, right? And so we want to celebrate the leaders who have worked really hard these past two years who have shown up for meetings and who have made tough choices and who have done the very best they can do to love you and each other in Christian love. And did they get it right all of the time? Probably not, but they're still here, right? Hanging in, hanging together. Not to mention the fact the ways the Lord has shown up in providing just really what have been sort of gratuitous amounts of money in totally unexpected and unlooked for places which to me were just sort of God's signs of saying, hang in there, keep your toothpicks together, you're going to make it through. So in some ways, this is a message maybe for those who are watching from home or maybe for those who are here. I just really encourage you to show up on May the 22nd. If you haven't had a chance to come back, maybe two weeks is the day. And if there are reasons why you can't or you're not able, no judgment, I will in fact be that rent-a-mom who does not offer judge. But I want to invite you. Come back. Find your people. Reconnect with them. Miss Ruby played into my um, illustration without my even meaning for her to. You know, the seven sticks that are next to each other aren't nearly as strong as the ones that are bundled together. Come back. Find your people. Find your connection, because real life is hard, which means you need real relationship, which is hard too, but it's the only way any of us are going to make it through. 
Let's go to God in prayer. God, thank you for those who have chosen to love us. Either because they quote-unquote have to because of biology, even though we know sometimes biological family doesn't choose to. Or those who choose to love us just because. Thank you, God, for that family. Thank you for the opportunities to be family for others. And show us, God, um, not just this day, but all days, again, how it is we can be fully present and fully alive and fully love. Because that is the opportunity and the gift and the challenge that you offer us. Thank you, God, that we don't do life alone, even as humans or, you know, as, as yes, as individuals, that we also always have your guiding and your sustaining presence. You bring us together. You make us family. Your Holy Spirit draws us together. We thank you for these gifts. And again, ask, us that, you, ask that you would show us how we can be um, an expression of this gift to others. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.